All right, Lewis, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fine. You know, keeping myself busy. Yeah, I know you got a you got a performing tonight, right? You got a little gig happening. Yeah, in a little while. Yeah. Um, what's the name of the spot? It's called El Tabacón. Uh, it's the indoor. big cigar. Yeah, that's what that's what that translates to. Yeah. All right, nice. Um, all right, so let's start with in, um, who you are and uh, what you do for a living. Uh, my name is Luis Disla. I'm a professional musician, arranger, producer, musical director. And how long have you been doing that for? I started music when I was a child. I started professionally since 1978. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, where, when um, you were uh, born, you were born um, in the United States, right? No. No. I was born in the Dominican Republic. Okay. Oh, where in the Dominican Republic were you born? Uh, it's called Pepillo Salcedo Manzanillo Bay. Wow. in the bay. That's a mouthful. Manzanillo Bay. It's right next to Dajabón, which is right next to Haiti, right on the border. Like in the north? Northwest. Okay. So more towards like Okab area? Uh, Cape Haitian. Yeah, yeah. Cape Haitian. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you got me like second guess by something. Like, it. <laughs> yeah, it's the same place. All right. So how, when did um, your musical career start, would you say? Like when was the first time you picked up an instrument? Uh, since I was a child, I used to play small percussions, like okay. cowbells, maracas, guido. I've been playing that all my life. Oh, yeah? Okay. But I didn't start the, I started the trumpet when I was like 11, 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And then I switched to the saxophone at 13. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how long were you in the Dominican Republic for? About four years. Okay. And then when you went after? Then you? my mother had moved to Puerto Rico. Okay. And then I went to Puerto Rico until I was uh, 11 years old. Mm. When I was 11, I moved to New York City, the Bronx. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to raise me in the Bronx. So we ended up in Massachusetts, Lawrence, Massachusetts. Oh, wow. That's okay. the home place of uh, Leonard Bernstein, mm. who's the guy who wrote uh, What Side Story. Okay. The, the most famous conductor in the United States. Oh, yeah, okay. I was going to ask, when you say wrote, were you talking about like screenplay or you're talking about music? So you're talking about the conductor. Leonard Bernstein the was the director, conductor, conductor of um, the New York Philharmonic. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and what is the role of a conductor? Oh, uh, well, it's good to conduct the orchestra, of course. Um, pretty much keep everybody in line. Uh, when there's a line that's soft or, or, or louder, he's the one who conducts all that. Tempo, that means the speed. He's the one who runs all that. So it's, it's a hard job. Does he need to know how to play the instruments? Um, yeah. Yeah, most of them play piano. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but what I meant was that you don't necessarily need to know all the instruments in order to be a conductor. You just need to know how they sound, right? Like, yes. Exactly. Like not necessarily play them is what I meant to say. No, like, no, no, no. Just no. as long as you know how they sound, because I can't imagine like a conductor knowing how to play like the harp or the trumpet no, no. or all these things. It's like, and it's I don't think there's anybody who really play every instrument. That's that doesn't sound right. Yeah, that's. All. <laughs> I mean, you could probably hit it and play a little, but not play it correctly. Come on. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's hard yeah. to play one. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, so why saxophone? Mm. Trumpet was my dream instrument. I, I still love listening to good trumpets. A friend of mine's name is Samuel Taveras. He played a saxophone. He told me, you should try this. When I tried it, he said, man, it fits like a glove. You are a sax player. He uh, was right. <laughs> wow. That's cool. <laughs> I so, found my instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't take long, right? You picked up the sax literally right after. Yeah, and then I just started practicing and 
until today. I, I mean, I love it. And which one do you prefer to play with? The alto, the tenor, the soprano? The alto and the soprano are the ones I play the most. But mm. I play them all. Okay. Which yeah. one do you play with now? Tonight, the alto and the soprano. Okay. Oh, so you usually play, when you play um, a gig, you'll play more than one instrument? I usually play the alto. Okay. But tonight, I want to try the soprano. So nice. I took him out for a ride. So you bring out like the the, the one that, that's the one Kenny G plays a lot, right? Yeah, and people think it's a clarinet. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, it's the long one, the yeah, long people, straight well, one. Is, it, is that a clarinet? No, it's not a clarinet. It's a, it's a soprano, soprano saxophone. Okay. <laughs> what's the What's the visual distinction between the two? Like if you had them, the clarinet and the soprano yeah. sax. <clears throat> Clarinets are black. Okay. And they're wood. Soprano is brass and it's like gold color. Really? Most of them, generally. So you mean that clarinet's made out of wood? Yeah. The real good ones. The, the ones that are cheap, they're made out of plastic. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. That's is that why they call woodwinds? Yeah. But the saxophones are woodwind. It's not... Because the saxophone is a very special instrument. I never thought the saxophone is a woodwind instrument either. To me, the saxophone is a cross between brass and a woodwind. Hmm. If you think about it, it's all brass. Right. But with a woodwind... Like a, it's got a mouthpiece. You got a mouthpiece and a reed for and your And a reed, that's wood, yeah. But to me, a saxophone is a, a, a cross between brass and woodwind. Mm-hmm. Except and, uh, they put it in one place. You, I remember you told me um, once about the origin of the saxophone in Selmer. What can you tell me about that? Well, I know you're sax- big into the history. The, the saxophone it. was invented by Adolf Sax, who spoke, he was virgin from Belgium. Okay. So he sold the pattern to Selmer Company from Paris. Mm. That's why when you see a Selmer saxophone, it's the real, real sax. That's where they all come from. Mm. All the other saxophones are a copy of the Selmer. Mm. Even Interesting. If they even if they don't want to. <laughs> wow. So, so he invented the patent for the saxophone, the instrument, he was including the, the reed and everything. He was the inventor of the instrument. Yeah, so the way it plays and everything, including yeah, the, yeah. having he to put the He had been doing it before piece. until finally he perfected it. Mm, it was like 1814, nice. something like that, in the 1800s. Yeah. Wow, that's actually more recent than I thought. I thought yeah. it would be older than that. No, no. Saxon was one of the newest instruments. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's why if you look at most orchestras, they don't use saxophone. Okay. Not in classical music. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Look how many symphony orchestras got a saxophone. None. Boy, well, no, now that you mention it, most classical music don't have the sax. At all. It's all flutes, clarinets, oboe, bazooms. Gotcha. They don't have sax. Mm. Interesting. That's super cool. I didn't and know there that. was a, a, a composer named Hector Bellius who wrote a lot for the saxophone and he helped the saxophone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what school did you go to? You studied you studied music when you went to school? Or did I, you study something random? No, no. I studied music in high school. Okay. I was in the marching band, concert band, jazz band, and uh, my second year of high school, sophomore year, they picked six students to show them, teach them harmony and music theory, arranging, and I was one of them. Mm. So I learned how to arrange when I was like 14 years old. And arrange is basically like writing music. Well, it's the person who puts all the instruments together, mm. puts all the sounds together. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and that's what you studied in college also? Uh, then I went to Berkeley College of Music, and um, in the eighth semester, well, I was there for nine semesters. In the nine semesters I was there, it was broken into a lot. I can imagine, yeah. Uh, like like music theory, 
solfege, arranging, um, private lessons, mm -hmm. playing with ensembles. Mm. So it's very, very, very deep. Did you start your own band when you were in college? Did you have your own band? How, what did you do like in terms of like money? Like, did you perform um, at clubs? Did you did you always perform while yes. you were in school? Yeah, I started my my first band when I was seventeen years old. But then I started also working for other people and backing up singers that came from New York. Okay. So that was a good experience. I, I backed up people like uh, La Lupe, Roberto Ledesma. Those are very, they were very famous at that era from Cuba, from most of Cuba. Joseito Mateo from Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And when and did you, when did you meet, um, or when did you perform with, um, Carlos Santana and these and these people did these come way later in your yeah, career? That came here like 2012 or 2011. So this was way more recent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in the 90s, when when I'm assuming you're early in your career, where were you mostly performing at? Well, I got I arrived in New York in the 80s, 1982. It was a lot of nightclubs. Oh wow! So you, we go even back even to the 80s now. Okay, yeah, so I graduated from Berkeley in 1982 and I moved to New York that okay. summer. I moved to the Bronx. And most of my income, I'll say all of it, at the moment I came in, it was all clubs. Mm -hmm. And then I started incorporating recordings, arrangements. Yeah. And when you were performing in clubs, were you being hired to play with, with people that were already um, part of a band? Or did you go in with your own band like you're doing like now? No, no. Most of it was somebody who already had a band. Okay, and they would hire you to come perform with them? Play the saxophone mostly, yeah. Okay. Were they always different? Bands, or is it always like every time you would you would perform, it'd be a different group oh, of people. Totally different, like different genre also. Really, I like could be in a merengue band one night, a salsa band the next, a jazz band the next one. Okay, is that challenging at I, all? Like I, I love it. That's that's the reason I went to New York. Wow, I wanted that experience. So just like one day it's this, one day is that. Yeah, let's say in, really in, cool. in a week you could play six times with three, like three, four different genres. Wow. Awesome. And that was the fun part. Okay, is there one you particularly like more? Like um, like you look forward to? Or just You just like I mean, playing the sax. No, it don't fucking matter. No, the thing is this. <laughs> there's good... There's no bad music. It's only bad interpreters. So to me, almost every, every music, I don't care where it's from, it's got good music. It's the people that play it. Sometimes they'll play it correctly. Okay. All right, let's go back a bit. When you made your first band in high school... How long did that last for? Did it go to it with you to college, or did you guys just play in high school? No, no. What, I, what, what happens uh, when I went to high school? The principal became a good friend of mine, and every time he would have a a meeting, a reunion, I would put a little ensemble together. Oh, cool! To you know, to make him happy. So, how much people are in this ensemble? I would like six people, a little small group. That was high school. Okay. But then when I went to college, I met a salsa group, which was like nine people. Mm -hmm. And how many different instruments are part of this nine? The nine was three horns, trumpet, trombone, and sax, piano, bass, three percussion, timbales, conga, and bongos, and a singer. Wow. That's 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 heavy, yeah. bro. <laughs> that was my first professional band. From, it was my band. Me and a singer named Carlos Torres. Okay. Was a good friend. So you, you would say you, you perform more like Latin jazz <laughs> as opposed to like contemporary jazz? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a mixture of both. If you listen to my my first solo album, was called The Prophecy, you hear it. It's a mixture of jazz with Latin and pop and soul. Everything's all mixed in there. 
So what's Sinatra? I thought Sinatra was jazz. Is a form of jazz? Is he blues? No. Well, I would say Frank Sinatra was jazz, but was also like pop of that era. Okay. That's what it was. Because he's so because I, it's kind of confusing for me because when I think of jazz, I always think of Sinatra first, and then it's after you start listening to like. John Coltrane or Miles Davis, like, uh-huh. okay, so this is like, I feel like this is what jazz really is. And and I always assumed, like, maybe I had it wrong thinking that Frank Sinatra was a jazz musician when maybe he was something else. So I just was, I just assumed, like, maybe I had it wrong. Like, would, it wasn't I, jazz. I would call it a jazz singer, not a musician. Well, the difference is most of the popular music of that era, it became also standards for the jazz musician, instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. So you will hear all those Frank Sinatra songs played by saxophones and trumpet without the words. Right. Okay. Yeah. And what's big band? Well, big band is exactly what it's telling you. A big band is a big unit of musicians, like five saxophones, four trumpets, four trombones. So it's a bigger unit. But is that something that Sinatra used is known for too, right? Like yes. I thought his thing was like big band too because he always had these like orchestras he, behind him. And he most of the time, like 90% of the time had a big band. Especially because yeah, the these guys didn't, they didn't play really instruments, really. No, they were more singers. Frank like, Sinatra? Like Saint, French Sinatra, Sammy Davis, D. Martin. Yeah. These guys were like, yeah. they were more singers than actual instrumentalists. The only right? one of them who played instrument was um, Sammy Davis Jr. Okay. What did he play? He played drums, that? saxophone. Oh, was, wow. So he was, he was a, legit. He was a very talented person. <laughs> He was also a tap dancer. And I'm talking like elite tap wow. dancer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw that document. You ever seen the documentary on Sinatra? It's um like about four. It's a four hours long about. And it's it, it like it's a documentary basically about his entire life. And he, they talk about like him going into Vegas and basically making it what it is in the sense of like what Vegas is what people see it as. That place you go, you gamble, you party, and Sinatra's there with his boys, the Rat Pack. Ooh. It's a really cool documentary. You haven't seen it yet? I, I read his autobiography by him, mm. and I know a lot about him because he was also involved in other activities. Yeah. And in the activities, it tells you really how things happen. I'm pretty sure he's going to say it his way, mm. but they said it the other way. <laughs> right. There's always two sides, right? Like he wasn't the boss when, when they were around. Who's there? You mean like when Dean and them were around? No. The Chicago outfit. Oh, you're talking about the mafia. The people who really <laughs> ran the, the business. Yeah, yeah. He didn't run the business. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel you now. Oh, no. Oh, he didn't yeah. run the business. He was a guest oh, of yeah. the business. For sure. Yeah, and they respected him, paying very well. Yeah. But he was not running the show. Yeah, probably not. Um, no, I mean, you don't. There's the, the guys that really run the show, you probably never really see them anyways. No. Yeah, they're, they're the ones nice. with the with the budgets. They're the ones putting all the money. Yeah, he was the entertainer, and they treated him very well. Mm-hmm. You know, how much influence do you think he had in like music? Like, in uh, maybe let me specify the question a little bit more. In in terms with with terms with um, race, because Sammy Davis, um, in particular, was one of the first, I think, mainstream black musicians, and I think it was because of the help of Sinatra. That he kind of like came out of there, like according to I mean that was the the way they sold it in the in the documentary is how he formed the group and then the rap pack was with them and Sammy Davis was part of this group and Sammy Davis was um, obviously the only um, black car- black person um, on the group the only non-white no well, obviously <laughs> but because you, you know that Sammy Davis Jr. was half Puerto Rican 
No, I did not know that. Yeah, that's why when I'm saying what I'm, he was half Puerto Rican and half Afro-American. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but he was seen like, like um, I guess. Like they, an Afro-American. Yeah, like an Afro-American. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just was curious to see what you thought of, of like the influence they must have had in the music back then and how much they pushed forward. Yeah, yeah, well, for sure, Frank backed them up. Yeah. And he's, he seems like his friendship was very loyal. Yeah, they make it seem that way, right? And you want to believe that, right? Yeah, I do, I do. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I'm, Frank looks like he was a real guy. Yeah, he does, right? Because you know, sometimes I feel like the, pres- the, the way documentaries kind of make the person look better than they maybe are sometimes, Hollywood. I guess. Yeah, it's Hollywood. They got to, you know, the, he's not really a villain in they his They got to put story. it more dramatic. But yeah. uh, but no, I'm pretty sure he was. I'm pretty sure okay. he was. Well, you should guy. check out that documentary. It's pretty interesting. It's a really good one. What's it called? Sinatra. That's what it's called. Hmm. I think it's on Netflix. I've probably seen it because I've seen so many things, man. Yeah. You ever seen that one with D- um, the one with Miles Davis? Uh, he plays um, in this Australian movie called Dingo. Yeah. I have a great this great soundtrack, man. Wow. He made another one also, like in Paris, another film. What was it? You remember the name of it? Oh man, something about elevator. It was it was a elevator in the gallows. Something like Is that. Is it that? I think it might be that. It's like this old yeah. French movie. It's black and white. Uh-huh. I think. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of uh, movies and music, you scored a film, didn't you? I've done a few films so far. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready now to start because there's been a lot of films done in Dominican Republic. They're doing like fifty to sixty every year, so I'm starting to get into that. Niche in that world, which I, I really love. I like that. How different is that when when you're um, writing music for film versus like writing music for like an album? Is it well? Perfect? You have to look at the scenes and you have to really like relax and concentrate on what's going around, so the music fits whatever's going on in the film. Like if you want it to be dramatic or if you want it to be sad exactly. or action or anything exactly. like that. Yeah. So when you're when you're composing for a film, are you Taking more of a conductor's type of job instead of always making the music, like like I'm sure you have to write in other instruments that you might not know how to play, and you're like, okay, this part would be good for drums, or this part would be good for the sax, or this part would be good for like I don't know, a violin or or whatever. Like I don't know what goes into composing for soundtracks, but yeah, you you have to like I I, I love films, and I've been into soundtracks since I was very young. I'm the kind of person who watches the film two or three times. Want to see the film, want to listen to the music, I want to think what would it sound like without the music. Mm. I'm into that. So the music, a lot of people don't understand how important the music of a film is. Mm-hmm. If one day take out the music and you see how it doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Especially when you have like um a film where it's the music literally sells it. Like some of the music like really make or break. I, I think composers in films, get very little credit. You know, think about it. How many people can you ask? Well, listen, you know who wrote the music to this film? Yeah, they might not know particularly. Like, if you're not watching and paying attention to it, I mean, they have a whole Academy Award for that. But, um, yeah, you're right. In the sense where they might not know the artist is like Hans Zimmer, which is somebody that's composed a lot of the music that we John love. Williams. John Williams. <laughs> like, they might not know who he is, but they know of his music. And you'll be like, oh, so you didn't realize it's the same composer for yeah. all these things. But, yeah, I, I mean, I was, I'm guilty of the same thing coming up, not knowing, like... And that's a lot of films. 
out yeah. there. Because we're talking, these guys are mega guys, but there's a lot of films. Because if you watch Netflix, look at the end of the credit. A lot of times, people, you don't even know who they are. No, well, yeah, there's a lot of people in the back the back and, scene. And still, the music still love. It's great, great music. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. I, I want to get more into that. Okay, that's cool. And um, when did you do, when was the first time you composed for a film? First time I composed for a short film was in New York, like in the early 90s. Mm. Something short. Like it was like, a student film, maybe? Yeah, fi like 15 minutes. Mm. Yeah. And how did you approach that when you did it the first time? And how did it change the second time you did it? Well, they, they gave me all the liberty I wanted to say, here, watch this for 15 minutes. Let's discuss where can we put music and where not. Because that's another thing. It's very important to know when not to put music. And, and also, then, but they asked me, whatever you want to do, you do with it. Okay. If you want to put a clarinet here, you want to put a flute there, and they gave me the liberty. And then back then, you would play the instruments yourself? If I played it, yeah. If I didn't play, I would just hire somebody. Right. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Like nowadays, you have a lot of instrument samplers, mm -hmm. and they sound very, very real. I'm talking like, I got some flutes, so you would think he's a flute player. Mm-hmm. You got strings to sound well, just now like there, I feel like there's there's a bunch of the electrical stuff. Like you have the computer that can give you any sound that you want. Well, what, so. ha what happened when you have a sampler? It's really a sound of an instrument, and you put it into the keyboard. Any note you play is going to sound that real instrument in the keyboard. Right. Yeah. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, it's going somewhere else. Music. You you performed with Tabu Combo a lot, right? I was with Tabu Combo five years. Hmm. From 2008 to 2013. Nice. And you went to Haiti a lot when you traveled with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I used to go to Haiti, I'll say, at least eight times a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was all the time. Okay. So uh, where would you go when you went to Haiti? Like, where? I'm curious what spots you guys would Most of the at. time, they would stay in Pishonville. Mm -hmm. That was like, let's say, the, the hub. Mm -hmm. Then after that, you would go to Gonaive, Lakai, mm -hmm. you know, everywhere. That's cool. Yeah. And, Cape um, Haitian. Yeah, I, I was mean, right near your home, right? Yeah, yeah I was almost <laughs> in the Dominican Republic. How long will you guys stay over there when you guys went to travel? I'm assuming you guys traveled a lot. Well, there were short trips, like for a week, but there were, there were in December, you would go for the whole month. Wow. 17, 18 gigs. How did you land that gig? I met, when I was in New York, I have met the, uh, one of the, the big boss. His name is Fafang. Mm -hmm. I met him when I used to live in New York. In the 90s? In the 90s. And okay. I wrote some stuff for him, but not for Taboo Combo. For other groups. He, is, he had more groups. And then in 2008, one day he found me. I couldn't believe, I found you, Luis. Oh, well. And right away he invited <laughs> me. He said, would you like to join us? My first trip went to Martinique. That was my first time to Martinique. Oh, wow. And then we went to Martinique three, four times a year. That's cool. Guadalupe, Martinique all the time. Yeah, they always play in the islands. Yeah. So w would you say they're... What, what type of music would you say they played? I mean, compa. I always assume it was compa only, it is, right? It's well, only 100% compa, right? Cause no, it's, it's mostly compa, but I'll say 95% compa. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I thought they were a Haitian band. So, yeah, because um, yeah. yeah, I don't listen to them much, but I but obviously growing up in Haiti, you hear yeah. about them, and I just assumed they were a Haitian band. So that's why I'm kind of curious how you, how you met them. Yeah, I met them in New York. Awesome. And then, so since you performed between 2008, 2013, I'm assuming you met Carlos Santana while you were performing with Tabo Combo? Yes, and Wycliffe. Wow, how was that, meeting that, meeting that legend? 
that was great because I mean that, Santana was one of my idols. Yeah, man. Wow. And um, I mean, I don't even play an instrument like aside for actually now that you're teaching me the saxophone, I don't even play an instrument. That guy's my idol. Yeah. Um, the way it was, we went to to the WACP Awards. What's called that? A big award. And um, we were there for the whole weekend. That's how that happened. Where? What country? No, here. Hollywood. Oh, here in the U.S. Hollywood, California. Oh, in, oh, in the U.S. Yeah. Okay, in Hollywood, California. The WACP awards. Okay, right? I'm, I'm I'm not sure. It's huh? a big, big, big award. I mean, the top people were there, like Sicily uh, Tyson, and, and I mean, that, like the real. This is the real big. L.A. Cool J was there. Oh, cool. I mean, this Sandra Bullock was there. Um, Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tough. Cool. And then um, did you get to, um, do you guys get to hang out like after oh, yeah. shows and stuff like but that? We have the same dressing room, him and I. That's crazy. <laughs> and we talked a lot and <laughs> we discussed music. He likes talking about music. Yeah. And then he had a bag of iPods, a bag, like, like 20 of them. And each one of them was about a different artist. Just an artist per iPod? What the yes. hell? Yes. Like he will have a John Coltrane one, just Coltrane. Jesus. Like with... 20,000 songs. That's and crazy. He will have B.B. King in another one, just B.B. Just King. Oh, my and, gosh. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and we talked a lot. We talked especially about business because I asked them business questions. Like how to grow independently yourself? How to run your own business. Mm. We were talking especially about management because a lot of people don't understand management. His management company is really ran by him. <laughs> okay. Even though it sounds like somebody who runs him, he runs the manager. Mm. So he was planning to me how to do it. Very mm-hmm. nice person, good person. You know, very spiritual. He seems like it. Very, very spiritual. And I met him, I saw him before and after many times. Okay. So Where do you usually bump into him, in the U.S.? All the time he's been here. Uh, mm. Last time I met him, we were at the at the Latin Grammys. Okay. 2016 in Las Vegas. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was the last time I talked to him. When did you get, did you get a Grammy nomination for one of your music? I got two Grammy nominations for projects I've done before. What were the projects? One's called uh, Tropicana All-Stars. Okay. 2006, something like that. And the other one's uh, Victor Manuel Salsa Guy. Okay. You were nominated for those? You didn't necessarily win? Well, what happens when that happens, the group gets nominated. Right. Yeah, you, you don't win. You didn't win. Okay. But just to get nominated is not easy. No, right. I mean, I'm sure it's a, 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 a crazy achievement just to be nominated. Like, Well, if you look at the list of the people at the beginning, it's like really Legends? Long, really long. Okay. <laughs> and then at the end, it cuts down to like four or five, and then it cuts down to one. Gotcha, yeah. yeah. And then, so when you get Grammy nominated, I was always curious, how does that happen? Do you get a phone call from these people and be like, hey, by the way, uh, we like your shit. You're like, no, no, we're, no. We're on, you're on the list? Well, I'm also a voting member. I've okay. Been, I've been voting for like t- over 20 years. So you usually get an email, mm-hmm. and that tells you. Okay. Yeah, unless you have somebody in there who will give you a phone call. How did you become a voting member? Um, you got to have, back then, you had to have six credits in the music business. And what's considered a credit? In, a, in the recording. Like a song? Or no. talking. You could have been in a recording as an arranger, as a musician, as an engineer. Okay. Yeah. So you needed six credits, and then you can apply and become a... To a have a membership. I don't okay. know about now, how it works now. Okay, okay. And Back it's then. like a lifetime membership, so every time you 
you get um, every year, I'm assuming. It's every year. It's and then you get an year. email. You get to vote in your music. Every year. It's, it's like a subscription. You got you to gotta pay. Okay. So I'm pretty sure people don't understand how that runs. You have to pay like for a year subscription. And, um, and there's only, I, I don't know how many members there are. Let, let's pick a number like 10,000. So those 10,000 people are the ones who vote for those, for the artists. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of time artists win that you don't know them. Mm -hmm. You might go, wait, how, who's that guy? He wins a Grammy. I don't even know him. Right. Because it's got nothing to do with that. It's got to be, you submit your project and some of them listen to it and they vote if they like it or not. Okay. Yeah. And is it like an open registration anybody can send in or are they like specific? Well, it's only members. So only members can send their music to be nominated? No. Oh, that's what I was asking. Like, no. how, do you, how do they pick how you the music? submit it. Yeah, submit music to be nominated for usually, a Grammy. Usually members try to help you with that. So it's not, does it have nothing to do with the billboards? No. Billboards is about playing your record on the radio. Wow, I would assume it's a different, like, it's a different business. I would assume that that had an, uh, an impact no. on like no. what gets nominated. It's two different things. Billboard... How you get in Billboard is by how many times they play your song on the radio. Mm -hmm. Grammys got nothing to do with that. So Grammys has nothing to do with getting plays. Okay, cool. So I Not just assume it based on popularity. Um, like, let's say, okay, it's very easy. It's, it's like running for, for, for president or senator. That's how the Grammy is. They vote you in. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I have a question for you. Um... You mentioned to me once um, that you're very big in jazz history and, and stuff like that. So I had a question about jazz. When did jazz as as a music kind of start? Because I feel like jazz is is has such a vast array of instruments and sometimes can be chaotic. What was the first instrument used and used to be called jazz, or was it more than one person that? Definitely more than one person. I mean. The way history says it, the late 1800s, they, they give uh, Jelly Roll Moulton the credit of creating jazz. But I, it's impossible for one person to create that. Yeah. You need a group of people together to create it. But I'll say in the late 1800s was... But the first recording was 1917. First jazz recording? Yeah. Okay, and was it labeled then jazz? Was it like new jazz record? New no, I don't think they used that term then. Okay. Because the term jazz, it was like a negative. Really? Yeah, jazz. Oh, that jazz. Like, I don't want to say the word, but that, you know? Yeah. That's what really the word was about. Interesting. Yeah. We made it now like, oh, man, I'm a, I'm a jazz player and you think you're hot stuff. Wow, you know? interesting. Yeah. So, damn, I didn't realize jazz was actually that recent. I expected it to be a little older. No, no it's jazz cannot be more than 100 years old, 100 and change. Wow. Okay. Like, what like, was the name like, of the gentleman you said that was that has credit for creating jazz? What's his name? Jelly Roll Morton. What did he play? Piano. Oh, okay. For New Orleans. Now, you ever heard his record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm well, sure you did, right? The recordings. But, of course, remember, the music we call jazz has a beginning like back this ragtime you ever heard ragtime music no but you heard the entertainer no yes you heard that song no i have honestly i have no idea what no? you're talking about so no. you got you got okay that was like the first time somebody wrote the music on paper 
Okay. Was Jelly, um, his name was um, Scott Joplin. Okay. He was the person who wrote The Entertainer. And the first person who wrote, who wrote it down on music paper. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That was before, before the first recording of what we call now jazz. Okay, got it. Because back then the music was called Ragtime. The piano was playing. A lot of salutes. Oh, kind of like what it sounded like in Casablanca with, yeah. with um, what's it, Sammy, when he would play. It sounded just like that. Exactly. Kind of like that, yeah. But yes, Sam, I remember Because that's when... Because that movie takes place like 1912, Well, that was 14. like... It was made in the 30s, yeah. but I thought it took yeah. place a little well, like earlier. Like First World War. Yeah, like, First World War. Yeah. Um, okay, that's super interesting. So, so, I didn't know that. So that's how it started because jazz had, after that, came what they called Dixieland. Dixieland was like the 1910s, 1914, and clarinet, trumpet, and trombone were like, like with, I would like to put an example. It's I mean, if you can try to find it, I guess you can play oh, it. My, I, I forgot to shut the phone off. But yeah, they call that. Uh, Dixieland. So the movie, then came Swing. Remember, you, you talk about the big bands. Mm -hmm. That was like the late twenties to the thirties. That's when the big bands came along. Then after that, after that, that's called Swing. After that came Charlie Parker, Bebop. Bebop. That's what they call the music that Charlie Parker used to play in the forties. Damn, I heard that term. To when was it? Um, I think I was yesterday. I was listening to a podcast and. Um, he was talking about how he has this book on bebop jazz, and I was like, "What the that's, hell is that?" That's that's the '40s, and the main guy there was Charlie Parker with Dizzy Gillespie, okay. Talanius Monk. Charles yes, Mingus. I know Talanius Monk. Yes, I've heard Charles some of, Mingus. Some of that guys, person's Roy, records. The Roy Haynes, those guys were the bebop, the guys who pretty much. So what's the, But they're all jazz, right? It's yeah. all jazz. Yeah. So yeah. what's the why? What's the what makes something bebop and what makes something? First nice? of all, the speed of the songs were very challenging. And then the notes that were playing were extension of the chords. In other words, before that, most people just play notes in the triads, three notes. By then, they were playing ninths, elevenths. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So they were what's called the upper structure of the chords. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... And the music was fast. Like, so just... <laughs> Before that was like okay. ching chinky ching chinky ching. Gotcha. Like Interesting. Uh, if you listen to Glenn Miller, Tommy Dorsey, see that's Duke Ellington, Count Basie. That's yeah, swing I like Duke music. Ellington. That's swing music. These guys were playing fast and really challenging music. Okay. And then after that came what they call post bop, which just slowed down the bebop a little. Then came Miles with the modal music. And music is changing, you know. And then the harmonica too, right? Was a popular instrument. That I will say the harmonica became famous in the late fifties, early sixties. Damn, that's even more recent. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. these some of these instruments are not as old as I thought. No, they're not. They're What's not. the oldest instrument? Man, probably the. It piano. has to be some type probably of flute. drum. No, it has to be either a drum or a flute. Yeah, probably like, right. Because, but I'm talking like a thousand years old. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see. I'm wondering what the first. Is. Yeah. I'm assuming it'd be like some type of drum because people are gonna just bang on yeah, shit exactly. naturally. I'm just and, like, okay, maybe that's how it and, is. And, and probably then, some piece of wood that you would blow on. Ooh, maybe ooh, ooh, it had to be. Probably tried to blow an arrow and be like, oh, that makes an interesting sound. Exactly. I wonder if I could. Uh... 
Well, that's the way it was. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that's super interesting. Um, okay, so See, let me... like nowadays, they call everything jazz, which is a confusion out there. Like, if you have a Marvin Gaye song, you take his voice out, mm -hmm. and you put a saxophone, people will call that jazz. And it's not jazz. That's still the same R&B that he's playing, right? Soul music. Mm -hmm. Except it's instrumental. Why are you calling it jazz? Because they associate saxophone with jazz, probably. Yeah, but what I'm saying, that's what that's a big confusion nowadays. So they call almost everything jazz. Mm. Which to me is very... People should be more clear. And everybody who improvises, the right away they go, oh, I know how to play jazz. No, you don't. Because <laughs> most artists who improvise, he didn't play jazz. Gotcha. You know? What influenced you to get into music? Like, you started really young. Is it something your parents put you in? Like, they're just like, oh, let's let's give Louis some music lessons. No, no. To me, everything started with my mother. Okay. When I was a, an infant, my mother used to watch, in Puerto Rico, a show called El Show de las Doce, which started at 12 o'clock. Mm. Every day, they would put live band there. And I would sit and watch it with her. And I just became, like, hypnotized by it. Then at home, while she was washing or cooking, she was always put the best music, I'm telling you. She would put stuff like um, Sergio Mendes. She would put like Tito Rodriguez. Um, I don't know any of these people, by the way. So if you look at me and you're like, oh, you hear this? Well, I have Sir, no Sergio idea who Mendes is very are. known. People who know about music know who Sergio Mendes yeah, is. He's, he's for sure, who, not me. <laughs> he's the one who brought the Brazilian sound to the United States in the 60s. Okay. Um Tito Rodriguez was, the, to me, the biggest artist we had so far. First guy who sold a million copies in the 60s. Mm. He was more into, like, baladas, boleros, and mambo. Mm. So she would put that kind of music. She would put, like, a lot of instrumental stuff. She just loved music, man. And then she just, and then you were like, hey, mom, I want to learn how to play? No. No, no. We used to have a little group that we used to sneak out and play, and I used to have a trumpet. I don't, I don't remember who gave it to me. Just making noise. But I thought I was playing good. <laughs> okay. So you just you just started playing because you just heard music a lot. You just picked it up. Because okay. we like to have fun. And we oh, thought music was fun. You know? And those, those I'm curious, those kids you used to play with, did they end up being musicians also? Oh, I, I don't even know where they are nowadays. <laughs> I doubt it. I really, really doubt it. I really doubt it. You know? Do you have any siblings? Um, I'm an only child of my mother. Okay. My father has four daughters. He had four daughters. Mm. But I'm an only child. Yeah, you kept mentioning your mother. I was going to ask about your dad. Was he not with you guys in Puerto Rico? No, no. When I was in Puerto Rico, my mother was married to a, to a doctor who was born in Havana, in Cuba. Mm. So that's where my Cuban influence comes from. Nice. Because she used to talk to me about Cuba every single day, all day long. He used to tell me, someday you're going to go, and I want you to see this, do that, you know, because I used to be there when I was a kid. Is he the one that maybe influenced the cigars? I know you like. I know you're a big cigar I, guy, I'm and we're gonna cigar, get into cigars. No, no, he didn't smoke cigars. Oh, he didn't. Okay. Well, the person who got me to um, influence my cigar smoking was my great grandmother. Your great grandmother. Yeah, when I was a child, we used to go to DR all the time, all the time, and this lady would be smoking cigar all the time, like hand rolled, like probably right. I don't like, know where she got it from, but she was always <laughs> smoking day, night. And she was very sweet to me and my mother. She was a, a sweet human being. So I spent a lot of time just talking to her. And I used to always look at her. She would always be smoking. Nice, <laughs> nice. She looked so elegant, you know? Yeah. She was, she was a dark skin, very dark but elegant lady. 
pretty eyes. Is, was she in the same place you were born? Was that where she was from? Or was she more in the city in the Dominican She Republic? was born for, in a town called um, Santiago Rodriguez, which is south of where I was born. All right, cool. Yeah. And what is this fascination with, with cigars? Is it is the Cuba, Cubans make the best cigars, or is that a myth? I will say it's a myth. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I, I like when I spoke Nicaragua. For Nicaragua. Yeah, I... I uh, in Haiti, we used to smoke. I smoked a lot of Nicaraguan and Dominican. And of course, Dominican has incredible, incredible cigars. Not because I'm Dominican, because they are they're great. I had smoked some good Hondurans too. Mm. What's your go to? Mostly Dominican. Mm. Mostly Dominican. Casa Magna, it's called. Okay. I smoke, and there's a guy named uh, uh, Fernandez who's got great cigars, man. Good mm. cigars. Yeah. So cigars coming back, believe it or not. Yeah. Everywhere Just you like go. vinyls, man. Everywhere you go, man. Exactly. It's a cigar bar and people smoking. And yeah, I mean, I like the cigar bar. I used to, like I said, I, I mean, it's it's a shame I don't frequent them like I used to when I was in Haiti. Yeah. A lot of things, like, are different. Like, I don't know. It's because you become a product of your environment when right. you go somewhere. Right. But when I moved to Haiti, like, drinking a beer every day was cool. Yeah. And uh, having a cigar every once a week, like, on uh-huh. Wednesdays or something was a thing. But as soon as I came to the U.S., it, it kind of even though the even though the same luxuries are here, I don't know. It's just not. But the same. cigar smoking here is like coming back like like the nineties. It's incredible. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about more about cigars, because um, I know nothing about cigars. So I'm gonna ask you like I because I, I don't know shit. So um, does the color, the length, all that stuff? It matters. It's a difference. Like the ones that they look. Light brown, mm-hmm. they call Connecticut like like the state of Connecticut. They're softer. And Why they, they the, call that? You know, um, Connecticut. That sounds so random yeah, as hell. Man. I don't. I don't. Mostly because somebody came from Connecticut and said That's something crazy. Matter of fact, I'm gonna ask my go-to guy. He'll tell me. Why well, you got you got a little cigar dealer on the side that gives you the hook. I, I, I got this guy that he's the guru of cigars. No way. I don't know anybody who knows more cigar than this guy for real. And that's in Cigar State in, uh, in well, it's Pembroke Pines, really, where I smoke. And this guy knows more than anybody that I ever met. So any question, he's got the answer. Wow, that's interesting. I might, <laughs> I might have to have him on the podcast, man. Talk cigars and hey, smoke listen, it up. <laughs> if you want one, yeah, he'll give you a great interview. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but I might. Uh, he knows like a lot. <laughs> I'm curious. I, I mean, uh, he's again, a, he's, I come, at, I come at it like a fresh face, Louis. Like I don't know shit. I'm just gonna ask, like, like I'm just like, uh, like I'm opening a book for the first and time. And the good thing that he's a fan of mine. We, we're friends, but he's also a fan. If you go to Cigar State, you're gonna see only one picture on the wall. It's my picture. Is that the name of the place, Cigar C- State? State, yeah. Oh, actually, was thinking like you meant like a state in the U.S. that's known for cigars. I no. didn't actually think that. No, that's, that's the, the name, name of the, of the spot. It's and it's in Pembroke Pines. Pembroke Pines, right on University with Johnson. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so what else can you tell me about um, the cigars in terms of the length, the colors? Like, the darker, the harder, the harsher, I mean? No, no. Remember, the, the lighter, the softer, as far as for the taste. The darker they are, somehow they taste they're a little stronger. Oh, I would assume, like, they're, they're just, like... And then they have different sizes. You know that, right? Like I like the short ones, but I know some people like long ones. I don't know. It's just because it just, like, smokes longer. Is that like the what difference? What I like to smoke is usually Lanceros. They're, they're very long. They're, like, nine inches. Okay, so why, why, why one of those instead of, like, a six inches? Because they, is it only because it lasts longer? Is no, that why? No, no, no. Supposedly, the best made cigars are the Lanceros. For whatever reason, the way they make them, 
you can really taste them when you smoke them. But I'm telling you, we're going to bring Sal here one day. Okay. Yeah, I'm interested to know because yeah. I'm like, if, because I like it short because I don't want to smoke for an hour and a half. Right. And I know cigars is, is, is more or less like when you're a big enthusiast and like you, you'll do it for like two hours. You don't give a shit. It's part like, of the vibe. Like most of the cigars that I smoke, you'll take me 45 minutes mm-hmm. to smoke a good cigar. Yeah, that's uh, for some reason I feel like it's a little too much for me. Like oh, I no. like I like the short, the Lord well, short stubby guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they, they got some like I smoked a lot of Olivas. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Olivas so there's good. a short one that they used to make, yeah. really nice, and they had um, they had a very light one, which I wasn't a big fan of the lighter one, and they had like a a middle darker one and a really dark one, but the middle one was a sweet spot. Like I really enjoyed. Yeah, like their I used to I used to smoke this called um, Las Cabrillas. Back in New York, they were very small. They would last me like 20 minutes the most. Mm-hmm. And every Sunday, we used to smoke a box of those. Wow, that's crazy. When did you start every smoking Sun- cigars? Uh, when I was in Berkeley, when I was in college. I started smoking cigars when I used to find myself lonely riding at night. I wanted to take a break. I would walk around Boston just smoking my cigar quietly, relaxing. <laughs> and right. then come back and practice more. Sounds peaceful as hell, bro. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes practice you need more. to just detune. You're out there. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And I've, I've never been like a, a heavy drinker. So what I drink back then was cognac. I like to drink cognac and mm-hmm. brandy. Is that like your favorite pairing oh, oh, with, yeah. the, with the scar, um, yeah. with the with cigar? Yeah, with the cigar. Yeah, cognac is Yeah, I'm a scotch person. I prefer to have my yeah. scotch. So that, I started doing all that when I was in college. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, there was nobody even sometimes to even to talk to. So but just, what is this? What is this thing with smoking and 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 um and instrument players? A lot of instrument like musicians smoke. What is it with that? Even uh, woodwind instrumenters, like you think you want your lungs, but yeah, nah, they're no. puffing down cigarettes and cigars. Like I don't, I, matter of fact, all if you look at my heroes, they all smoked. Like if you look at Coltrane, smoked. Cannibal Adderley smoked. What did you say? Cannibal who? Cannibal Adderley. <laughs> Why'd they call him Cannibal? Because he used to eat a lot. <laughs> he used to eat a lot? <laughs> but Not people, right? <laughs> this is the greatest alto player you're ever going to hear. Jesus. The greatest what? Alto players. Alto sax players. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, no, outrageous. Charlie Parker used to smoke. Miles used to smoke. You know, all my heroes, believe it or not, it was that's what they, a lot of them smoked. And none of them die of lung cancer. If you look at it, none well, of them. Well, they're not smoke. Cigars won't give you lung cancer. No cigar. No, but these guys just smoke cigarettes. Cigarettes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This used to smoke cigars. Yeah, but back then everybody smoked, man. Yeah. Like around the time of Sinatra and them. Oh, all of like, them. Like even doctors would prescribe people cigarettes. Like you, you need to chill, smoke a cigarette. As a matter of fact, if you go to the movies back then, they used to have commercials. Yeah, but dude, the fucking planes had yeah. ashtrays in them. Well. When I was a kid, you used to you used to be able to smoke cigarettes in the plane. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I remember when I was a kid leaving Haiti, I used to remember the little ashtrays. Yeah. Shit, man, I used to put gum in those. Yeah, <laughs> as a kid, like I didn't yeah. know where to put my gum. I'm like that must be where I put my gum. I'm telling Damn, you, I was a bad child. So back then, you used to smoke. People used to smoke. Matter of fact, all all the big stars in Hollywood smoked. Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, from Casablanca. This guy made made smoking look sexy, bro. Well, they all did. That's why everybody used to smoke. It was in the late 60s when they started. It was like a lifestyle. It's more like a you were, sex symbol. You were an elegant, yeah. classy guy smoking cigarettes. I never smoked cigarettes, though. I never liked it. I don't even like the smell of it. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I used to smoke cigarettes at one point, and um, yeah, that's something that's kind of weird. Me. It's so weird, right? Like yeah. you, you, you'll smoke, but then you don't like that someone else might smoke. See, like, cigars like to me is totally smoke. different. I mean, I love the flavor. Uh, you don't inhale it. I love the aroma, the way it tastes. I mean, I just, I just love it. So, and do you feel like the cigars are better when they're like? Like hand rolled versus like store bought, like the ones you would buy, like in. Like oh no, in definitely the, you have to buy premium. That means they gotta be hand rolled. I'm assuming most of them are hand rolled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I meant to say is like, like when you you know how some cigar bars will have like a guy there rolling cigars. Yeah, yeah. Versus buying like one of those twenty dollar cigars that he has in his room in the back with a humidor and whatever, right? Right. I would just assume like it's better to just have the fresh shit. Well, yes and no. What you really want is a cigar that has been aged. So sometimes mm. those that he's doing it right there is not aged. You get it right. You mean away. the tobacco might not be aged? Yes, yes. The one that's already sitting there—that's the one you want. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I always thought the fresher the better. No. Shit. No. I've been going about it the wrong it's way, bro. It's backwards. Okay, I don't know anything about cigars. How do you recommend somebody? What cigar do they get? The first, you want to introduce somebody to cigars? What do you tell them to do? There's a couple of... There's a, Fuentes are to me the most... For sure, you're not going to miss if you get a Fuentes. Usually, they're very good. Good taste. They're very well rolled. You just have to ask. If you want to start with something, it's going to be a Connecticut. Something soft. Mm. Don't start with something hard because you're going to... You're going to have a bad experience. You're going to hate them for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. So the Connecticut is is only the style that's like lighter. It doesn't have Light. to do with the length or anything no, like no, that, no, right? No, 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 no. Length is... So you could have a short Connecticut. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. It's the leaf. Okay. It's the leaf. It's not the length. But is it from... You, do you know if it's... From, uh, that's a question for the other guy. That's a question for Sam. Yeah, Sam. That's right. <laughs> Sam the Cigar Man. Sam the Cigar. Shit. He sounds like an interesting guy. How old is he? Forty, early forties. Oh, yeah. he's younger than I thought he'd be. Yeah, but interesting. All right, how'd you meet him? He owns Cigar State. That's so that's that's where you just went and you just met the owner there. I've been knowing him for years. I, oh, I've been smoking nice. there for a while. Awesome. How did you end up in Florida? Uh, I landed a a position with Univision Records. That was a record company with Univision. And they start, I started coming here all the time to, to mix different artists and produce them. And then 9-11 um, came along, and I already had on my mind to move out of New York, but I didn't know where to. So when 9-11 happened, this was it. It was default <laughs> to Florida. Mm. Yeah. Straight to South Florida? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure had to be here. I couldn't mm. move anywhere else. Why is that? Because anywhere else in this state, there's nothing else to do for me. Mm. You yeah. contemplated other states like Cali or Texas or anything like that? I should have went to Los Angeles. Why but do you say that? Because mm, it was it's a more there's more action there. You know. Mm. But I did well. I, I, I'm, I'm happy I came here. Yeah. yeah. How different do you think your, your life would have been if you went over there? You've ever sat down and thought about it? Well, yes. Over there, there's unlimited. So much to do there compared to here. Here's the limited. Yeah, damn. There's so much to do there. I'm telling you, if you meet the right people, that's it. Not here. Damn, that's super interesting. Here, here I've been creating things because there's nothing here. You have to create your own things, especially coming from New York. 
Mm. In New York, I used to have my own big band, my own octet. I used to teach all the time. I do uh, I used to clinics in high school, clinics in college. Here's the different ambient. Okay, so you had that kind of comfort there. So then what wanted, What made you want to leave? It was dying out by the late 90s. Mm-hmm. By the late 90s, you could see the, all, the, all the prices of everything in New York was going up, especially rent was going really high. Mm-hmm. And the musician's money was staying in the same spot. Mm-hmm. So it was not making sense anymore. So you mentioned that you played in a lot of bands and you've had bands. So every time you you start a band, do you necessarily like think you're gonna end up like leaving the band at one point? You are playing as a sideman? No, no. Like you said, you had bands. My like, own I'm bands. Assuming, yeah, your own bands. Yeah, you don't, you never think of the end, right? You always like, think your own band's gonna last forever. That's as what a sideman. No, it's like, it's just, I'm assuming that. Like, why would you want to? No, I guess that's a stupid question. Yeah, well, like, that makes sense. <laughs> as, of course, as a sideman. You know you're only there for a little while because it's not your band. Yeah. But if it's your own band, you think it's going to last forever. Like when I had the big band was 10 years we lasted. Mm. You know, All that was in New York? That was in New York. Mm. And it was, uh, I was the co-leader of the band. Uh, the other gentleman, Maestro Rey Santos, who was my mentor. It was our band. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so how does one start a band? Well, you have to have an idea of what is it you want to do, what type of music, what genre. You know, and then take it from there. You want it with a singer. You want it instrumental. In your case, how many people were, were in your band? In the big band, it was uh, 17 of us. Was 17 instru- people? It was it was instrumental. It's fucking orchestra. Yeah. So what's an orchestra? Uh, it, what's, what, it's, it's the instrumentation that makes it. Like, a classical orchestra has got strings, which is most of the bands, like 40 people are the string players. You have a brass section, which is probably four trumpets, four trombones. French horns, woodwind section, and a percussion section. So that alone is like 80 people already. <laughs> so so the, what makes an orchestra doesn't matter the amount of people, it's the amount of instruments, different the instruments the that are being played? The instrumentation. Okay, so what's the minimum you need for an orchestra? Well, probably 30, small small orchestra. <laughs> no, I mean, in, I mean different instruments, not people. Like how many different instruments do you need to have in order for it to be considered an orchestra? You can't have one. You can't have a pianist be an orchestra. No, right? exactly. That's so. Anyways, one person is a solo. Right. That's retarded. Two people. Of course, it's a, a solo. Jesus. So an eight is two people to do it. Yeah. Well, I, I had people telling me, "Listen, can I have a jazz band with two people?" I tell them, two people is not a jazz band. That's a duet. It's a duet. They go, "What?" I say, "Oh my god, I got to deal with this." Yeah, that's what you're dealing with right now. Okay, yeah. so we got two people duets. Yeah, people ask, yeah, trio is three people. Like right. right now, I'm going to play with a quartet. Okay. And then you got a quintet, sextet, septet, like that, octet. Okay, so what's for orchestra? And then after you pass nine, uh-huh. nine non-tet, that's when you become like a combo. <laughs> okay. It's different words, combo. An orchestra comes like a little later. Big yeah. band, combo, all of a, these. A big band is usually 17, 18 piece. That, man. That's that what Count Basie crazy. had. Five saxophones, four trumpets, four trombones. Yeah, so a lot of uh, Sinatra's songs are with Count Basie, right? That was his favorite band. Yeah. So who's that? 745. Oh, you got to go? Okay, we got to wrap it up. All right, so what's, man, the, what's the name of the... this was fun. <laughs> yeah, man, it was great. Um, what's the name of the spot that you're going to go to again? El Tabacón, the and big cigar. Ha- and you play often... How often do you play there? Today's my first time there. 
Okay. On Wednesdays, I play in Casa Humo. That's okay. here in Doral. So every Wednesday, if somebody wants to watch, see you play, that's where it's at. Casa Humo in Doral. Yeah. And then this one's your first time going. First time here. You're hoping to lock in every Saturday. It's gonna be fun. Well, I don't. I don't think they put you every week. They put okay. you every other week. Then I'm playing in um in Brickell next Thursday in a place called um Empire. Oh, excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, Lewis, thank you so much, man. Let's get thank to that you. show. I want to see it's, what you got to do if with your whole band. It's my first time going to watch you performing. But it's a quartet, small. What do you see? You, like the prophecy is nine piece. Okay. That's yeah. The, oh, okay. Excellent. All right, guys. Thank All you right. so much. Have a good thank one. Thank you, Thank you for tuning in to the Oliver Stone Podcast. Safe journeys across the stars.